Text us on 0499 736 736. Very good morning and welcome to the Friday Form Panel. More fun, happy music. Get us in the mood. Try and find some winners for Bendigo Cup night tomorrow. Eight races. Uh, Dan Malecki will be down the line, Dan. Eight races. That, um, it's a lot more palatable than the 46 per Saturday night we've had recently. <laughs> it is. It's quite insane. I don't mind 12 races, um, but I'd much prefer them if they were... should be a rule. If there's 12 races, they should be no more than 22 minutes uh, apart. Um, otherwise, eight, uh, like you say, very palatable. It's it's the way I grew up on eight races, eight and nine races, absolute max on big programs, and and we love them. So um, tomorrow night, it's it's odd in a way. Like I would have thought, if there was a night of the week, you would be more likely to stay up a bit later. It'd be a Saturday night. Yet the last race tomorrow night is. Uh, is at 9.35. It just seems odd. And oh, I've got to go to Ballarat tonight. And I've got three races after 10 o'clock. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. That, it, well, I, the, the only benefit is um, I'll be travelling uh, down to Lord's Raceway tomorrow. And I can tell, I won't know what to do with myself getting off here at, at 9.40. Oh, the whole night's still ahead. Uh, yeah. 9.40 will be off there. But uh, I, I, I get it from the perspective that we, we like to get that first race in. Um, as soon after the gallops as possible and try and link up a little bit and try and continue the, the thoroughbreds punning on the trots. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite bizarre when you're, uh, when you're finishing the night that early. But I'll tell you what's also a little bit bizarre, the fact that there are only eight races. I've, I've, I've had this little question mark in my mind for a while, Dan, about um, how much feature racing we're having. And it might not make sense here because... Recently, we've been doing the age-restricted horses, two, three, and four-year-olds, so it shouldn't affect here. But one suspects there's a little bit of, you know, the change of season used to be a time where there was a lull in our old calendar uh, where people used to go on break and maybe give their horses a freshen up. The problem is that can't be, well, it shouldn't be the case now, should it? Because we've got these three big country cups in a row, Bendigo, Shepherd, and Ballarat into the summer of glory, so we... This is a time where we really need our horses, our good horses kicking around. Yeah, look, I think it affects more the two- and three-year-olds at this time of the year because a lot of them have been pushing towards the Vic Bread. They go out for spells a bit like they used to when the season uh, finished in August. Um, so I think that's what we're missing out on. We probably haven't got many of those races scheduled as uh, a result. Um, but it won't be long, a couple of weeks, and some of those really good two- and three-year-olds, which are now three- and four-year-olds, are pushing towards some big races in New South Wales, but the, quali- the size of the fields um, at other venues aren't really uh, affected. But as we know, there's a lot more slower horses than there is um, faster horses about, I suppose. That's a big bark in the background. I'm enjoying that. That's, uh, that, sound- that sounds like a happy, a happy dog, and that's very good news. Very, very good she- news. She's a very happy dog. She's been really sick over the last yeah. few months, but she still doesn't appreciate people that put their feet on our property or her property. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Neither do I. Um, right, let's get stuck in. First race in the card. I'll tell you what, overall, I found this. Maybe it was It's just a little bit of a lapse in play from, uh, from having the older horses around, but I found this a very challenging program to price. Finding who I, who I wanted to tip on top was not that difficult, but 
pricing a few of these races. This opening event is quite different in my market. Um, and then you've got a couple of races a little bit later on where there's a lot of intuition involved, I think. You've got Shorty and, um, and, and Bullion Harry who've both got excellent form lines going against horses that we know have been around uh, more recently, I guess, um, and are more experienced in so, to some degree. And even later in the car, there's another one of those races where you're sort of having to having to measure potential against what what you know right in front of you from recent weeks. Um, first race in the card, how did you read it? Because, like I say, I think I've read it a little bit differently to what the price assessors have. Yeah, look, I wasn't sure here. I, a lot of the, if there's a market they go off, it'll be yours once I've seen uh, your assessments when I'm looking up the fields on the, the Harness websites. And, um, and and sometimes I get surprised, sometimes I'm, I'm not, or I get an idea at least of what you are thinking. Um, but I, I found this a challenging race. Horses that were right in the market I wanted to look away from. Uh, Major Watson clearly in good form and goes best for the female drivers and has got a chance. It was a good win last start, but this is stronger. Um, I was trying to find something that could beat. Maybe Rocking Bugatti with a better gate. Doesn't often draw well and gets a decent gate this time. Uh, was one. Uh, bite our time's going well enough, but has an awkward gate. Just depends what David Moran prepared to, to do to try to turn that awkward gate into a, a better gate or, or take his medicine and go back. And the horses on the back line, like a daylight at dawn, who, who doesn't necessarily win out of turn, but he is going pretty well. And even his last start performance was good. Um, in the end, it was one of those races without a lot of confidence, which I think is something is where you're getting yeah. at. But uh, I, I've I've tipped the one on top, Rocking Bugatti, simply because of a better gait in an even field. I'm, I'm just looking at the a gait that might be. Um, uh, a, a positive for one of the runners that doesn't often get it. So Rocky Bugatti's it. Uh, one from six, three and 11. But I thought it was a tough race and I'm I'm all ears here because it'd just be a little oh. thing here that could make the difference in getting you keen on something. Well, look, oh, yeah. The one the one that you've got in there that and it is shorter in the market, a lot shorter than I thought it would be is Bite Our Time. Uh, I, I, the way I read the race is I think Major Watson... The way it's going at the moment will lead and hold the lead. Now, there has been an occasion not so long ago where Major Watson led it handed up to bite our time. I think where the two horses are right now, that uh, Major Watson would lead and hold the lead. Now, that is good news for Rocking Bugatti. Now, Rocking Bugatti, I, I did go, um, because there's only eight races, a little bit more time to deep dive. I went a bit hog wild on some, on some stats. Rocking Bugatti has drawn the pole nine times for two wins and five placings and been in the trail four times in its career for three placings. So they're good stats without um, without getting sort of uh, overexcited about it. So Rocking Bugatti is in my thoughts. It's my fourth pick. But I thought sectionally speaking and ability-wise and where it's at right now, the daylight at dawn clearly looks the one to beat. Um, outside second-line draw in a race where you don't know what the genuine whether there's going to be a genuine tempo, that, that plays heavily against Daylight of Dawn, obviously. But $4.40 is enough to get me involved. I think it's flying. Um, and uh, Greg Fleming's team, they're all flying. Cody Rockenberg has just got to be able to get into a spot and be able to peel and roll, maybe even be the one to make the mid-race move because Daylight of Dawn can park out in its races and still compete very well. So I've got it on top. Major Watson in for second. Um, like I can say, I think it'll lead and hold the lead one, two of its last three. Um, not at 100 to one tonight, obviously, like it was 
uh, on a big night recently, but um, $4.20, I think that's okay as well. I've thrown in Rocket Boy just because I don't – it's got those re- really strong uh, form lines, hasn't it? So we, we're talking yeah. about only 13 metres. I mean, I look at some of these and I say, well – how many of these get within 13 metres of Major Moth or 16.5 metres of Better Eclipse? And I, I'm i not sure many of them would, Dan. Yeah, look, he, you make a good point. He's been up against some of the big boys. Um, and uh, he, you would perceive this as a drop in class. So I think you've got to respect him as being a chance because it's, it's an open enough race anyway. So you couldn't afford to leave him, him out of one of the key hopes. Yeah, he, he definitely goes in. Early quarters are going to be pretty wide, I would imagine. Uh, and Belittled was another one, former uh, track record holder over the short here at Bendigo Home Track Lords Raceway. But the price isn't there at $8.50. I marked it 12 and was hoping maybe to be 16 or 21 So I, I would love to be able to help you more, Dan. I really would. I like helping people, particularly friends. And you're a friend of mine and I would love to help. But I can't do a hell of a lot other than to say I do think Daylight at Dawn is the way to go from a top tip perspective. And $4.40 <laughs> is good enough for me. 11, 3, 9 and 1. We'll go to a break on that note. Come back and try and give you more help with race two in the card. Although this is not going to be easy either. Friday form panel, Dan Malecki, J Bon. Back in a moment. That George Ezra sound works with my voice these days. That's, that's, my, that's my go. A little bit of Joe Cogger. And apparently uh, me singing some Nirvana got through on Trot Vision last week as well. So um, hopefully the... Uh, yeah. Sorry, Dan. I was singing along with you. Actually, I was on here at the time, but I was wanting to break out, do a duet. Uh, I was, it was, <laughs> all right, there's a point in the night with those uh, big 12 race cards where I must admit uh, you do go a little bit giddy. Um, and, uh, it, it, the the uh, the tiredness kicks in, even though it's great racing, and you go a bit giddy. And there's nothing better than having a bit of a sing. But uh, it was meant to be for a select audience in the parade ring. But um, apparently it went out. But it was great to belt out some uh, some Nirvana, and uh, certainly the voice again. Probably Kurt Cobain fits into the mix as well. Now, uh, race two in the program, I found this very challenging as well, and I'm a little bit surprised, even though I had or I've got Jillaby Willow on top. Potential-wise, uh, early speed, all the rest of it. I am a little bit surprised how short it is. It was a dollar ninety at open. It's out to two dollars. Lucky Cook to do the driving for Mark Lee. That team's absolutely flying again of more recent times. But you've got so many horses who perform well through the Vic Bread Super Series. I mean, Ruby Wingate is twenty-six dollars. Extreme outside of here for a number one. That can't be right. I'm wondering whether the top of the market can be right or the bottom of the market can be right here, Dan. It, look, Jillaby Willow's a, a nice enough move. It was a good run first up the other night, but even the depth out of that race, I mean, I, I can't see Tough Tilly, Ladies in Red, um, any uh, yeah. Doug's Babe, any of that sort of form line through her, whereas a lot of the others, we, we do see that, and I, I think um, I think she's unders, but probably looks the, the early leader. Uh, or having said that, delightful me is quicker out. It just depends on what they'd be prepared to do there. So um, I think Jillaby Willow's under the odds as well. She's cons- consistent, never missed a place in her 10 starts, but this is the toughest test that she's faced. That doesn't mean she's not going to be up to it. Story to tell is a mare that's just continuing to do things right. She's third, 13 metres away uh, in a group one behind Doug's Babe and Tough yeah. Tilly uh, last week. Surely that form's better. 
Um, it has to be uh, far more respected. Uh, I think Jason Ainsworth's got a pretty handy mare here. And like a lot of mares, they can uh, peak at a certain time, and I think she is now. Um, and it, it shows the sort of sectional times that she's able to run and, um, and that she's still on the up. She's only having her 25th start. Gossip Girl's another filly that I've got a lot of time for as well. Uh, like the way she's going about her business. Uh, but she's only lightly raced and she is meeting some really classy mares this time. Celestial Fragrance, I think, is going well. And also only fourth up from a break. So she can uh, produce her best run this prep. There are some horses that have been up for a while. There are horses that are uh, new to this preparation. Uh, but I think story to tell, we just can't underrate um, the obvious form in front of us. And that is behind the best of the four-year-old mares. They're now five-year-old mares, uh, but that's only from a week ago. Story to tell each way. I thought she was an each way special, Jace. Number four, from numbers, uh, five Gossip Girl, eight Celestial Fragrance, and uh, two Jillaby Willow. Yeah, look, uh, to be honest, I, I I settled on Jillaby Willow, but with no confidence here, and the market was always going to tell the story. And you make a great case with story to tell. I'll tell you what, I think it's going to get a beautiful run one way or the other as well. So Jillaby Willow leads, story to tell. Jason Ainsworth won't bustle her out, but I think she gets to the spot outside the leader easily. And from there, if nobody wants to make a move, they can just dictate terms at the top end over 1650. And if somebody does want to make a move, story to tell is going to get 1-1 cover and be in a perfect position to strike. So $8.50 overs for it. Um, but looking down the board here, Sassiola is racing outstandingly well. It's a 10. Orby's got a stack of ability. 14. But I've got to say, from a, from a pure punting perspective price-wise, Ruby Wingate is the one of the more ridiculous $26 chances I've seen in a long time. So we talk about those form lines. Now, uh, Ruby Wingate was beaten 26 metres in the final, but only 9.5 metres by Doug's Babe, prior to that, and only 3.5 metres by Tough Tilly prior to that. Ruby Wingate is, uh, funnily enough, for a horse like her, you would think that she's she's dour and would love a long trip. Well, her homegrown classic win, and uh, a lot of her good performances have come over short trips. So I'm not worried about the, uh, the 1,650 metres. I know the draw looks awkward, but Ruby Wingate, well, it's got to be above, with all due respect, it's got to be above Lady Lani, delightful Mia, and AJ Breezy Rose for a start. So I've marked it $5, uh, Ruby Wingate. I, I marked them all around the same price here. So Celestial Fragrance is flying. I'm slightly worried about the draw. If you Over 16.50, when you draw inside the second row, Dan, you're, you're 90% of the time duty-bound to stay in that position, aren't you? It's, 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 a, it's a very risky move over a short trip, particularly Bendigo really, really suits... Pegline runners over their short trip. That's my only concern for Celestial Fragrance. She would have nearly gone on top, but I'm worried that she's got to follow through behind Delightful Mia, three poles, and if Delightful Mia doesn't quite keep up, that's going to be the issue for her, in my opinion. Yep, that makes total sense. Uh, you wouldn't leave her out of your early no. quaddy or your exotics. No. But if you were, um, I was going to say forced to have one bet, nobody forces you, you force yourself. But you would probably elect to back, well, in my case, I'm tipping Story to Tell, who's about $8.50. So I'd much prefer to back Story to Tell each way than Chance Malak with Celestial Fragrance, um, who, if it had drawn the front line, A, it would lead easily uh, because it is such a brilliant beginner. 
so it's at a slight disadvantage, perhaps, um, uh, drawn the back row, but um, you know, only needs clear room for the 400 to be in the top four. Now, I'm looking forward to going back at the end of the Friday form panel and seeing what the market looks like, because if you're wondering whether we've got a few patrons here on the Friday form panel, story to tell has been eight fifty into $7.00 while we've been having this little conflap, Dan. So I, if you want to have a bet, hopefully you've already done it, or um, you better do it fast, because I've got a funny feeling that this market's going to shift around over the course of the next little while. And story to tell, that's already a move, and I think it's going to be a fair bit shorter than that. I think there's going to be a move. Sassiola's into single figures. Um, I think that Ruby Wingate will shorten as well. So hopefully you've already had a wager. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 Jace, I haven't. But no. the funny thing is sometimes, you know, you'll tip a horse and we get an opportunity, whether it's through print or whether it's through radio in particular, and we can reiterate our tips through the course of, you know, the 48 hours in the lead-up. And, and I've been in situations where I've tipped something and identified it early. You tipped it as your best bet, it's way over. It could be $4. And come race night, it ends up $1.80 and you're wanting to, to swap because it's, it's actually got to a stage where it's under the odds. Um, and it's not uncommon that that happens, but uh, I didn't listen to uh, to <laughs> my um, previous uh, uh, promises of backing the horses. That oh, I didn't realise it was those odds. I, I told you often I don't look at the prices because yeah. I, I don't yeah. want to be misled. Mm. Um, and sometimes I see yours, and that's as good a, a guide as I can get because I know at least that's your opinion because they're up early enough and you've got nothing else to base them off. But... Um, I try not to look at them uh, and then not get swayed. So in that way, you can tip your 25 to one shot and get what you think is value. Conversely, it goes the other way and you rate something at $2.20 that you think is a pretty good thing, but it's $1.30 and then you get put off because it's unders. But I may have missed the boat this time. Um, Hopefully it's not the Titanic and those that are on board (laughs) um, end up uh, in the icy waters. But I think at least each way um, there will be a lifeboat there for you. Well, the main thing is our hearts will go on, particularly as we go to the break now. um, (laughs) We might come back with a little bit of Celine Dion, I think. Uh, Race two down. We've got six more to go. Friday form panel. I'm sure you are listening. I can tell you listening. I'm looking at the markets. You're definitely listening. So keep listening when we come back from a break. <laughs> Very good one. Yeah, well, king of the world, Jace. Oh, I can, I can, I can feel Leonardo's arms right around me, just just lifting my arms up now at the uh, the front of the boat. Uh, unfortunately, I don't. Yeah, we hit an iceberg, don't we? That's a, race three. We're going to go to uh, the news in just a moment, but I, before we get stuck into this one, um, we're going to go to the news right now. As a matter of fact, but uh, Shawnee is going to be. Very hard to beat, but I've got to tell you, I found this a very, very, very difficult race to assess. They're at the head of the market, the two big chances, the two young guns on the way, the way up, Shawnee and Bullion Harry. The scratching of a sting of a wasp is going to be a big help for Shawnee, I think, because I thought it might get double cross, but now it might only be gunning that gets across, and then we'll have to work out what happens after that. That's the job for Dan Malecki and I when we return from the news. Stick with us here. Friday form battle, SEM track kicking off. Well, it's the start of the weekend as far as I'm concerned. Back in a moment. You're listening to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Now, 
and everybody dancing in the studio. God bless you all. And great to hear Matty Donald's um, dulcet tones reading the news as well. What a, uh, a young man on the way up. Right, let's get stuck into this extremely difficult race. I, I did mention, Dan, I thought that Sting of a Wasp might be the biggest issue for Shawnee. It's come out of the race. I still reckon, how, do you, how are you reading this? I think, well, Gunning's got uh, elite gates, but we know that. Does he get across the pole marker? Is there a retake from Shawnee? Can Bully and Harry be on the scene and take over? Uh, before Shawnee can get there, and and will it even matter? Uh, have you got such a big opinion of the favourite Shawnee that it deserves to be a dollar eighty regardless of what happens? Talk us through it. Mm, yeah, a lot of things to uh, uh, try to break down here. Gunning does look like he's got the natural gate speed. So is Bullion Harry. He's a very quick out. Uh, not sure he'll cross uh, Gunning, but he can make a real fist of it. Central Otago's got speed, so it's a decent front line. Even who's the man? can occupy a pretty handy spot from that wide gate. Shawnee, I don't think he's at the stage now you want to push him out because um, he's only lining up for his fifth start. He's first up from a spell. He's got a, a really good future. Um, but Barry, number one, I think if he was my horse, I'd just be wanting to, him to get off the gate safely, get into a nice cadence, most likely get away from the pegs, and it doesn't matter where he ends up. And then with the confidence in his fitness, if it's there, to make a race move uh, mid-race uh, and then either go up to tackle for the lead or sit up without cover. Uh, I suspect that's the way to go. So I'm not expecting that he can lead here, Shawnee, at all. I think he's under the odds and I think he'll be improved by the run. But his natural ability might be enough to get him through. I'm going the way of Bullion Harry. Uh, I'm not certain he's going to be able to lead, but I'm also not certain that he has to. He hasn't had a lot of racing, has he, through the course of 2022? That's a little bit of a concern, but he has one first up, uh, which was at Maryborough. And that alone, that one run, which was a good run, means he should have the edge on race fitness ahead of Shawnee. And I think that would be the difference. I'm surprised there's that gap in the market between the two of them. Bullion Harry's a very experienced horse, a horse that has continually performed well against Parisian Artiste, Elder Baron Zeus. Mm. Uh, what price would those horses be in this race? Uh, I think Bullion, I think the market could easily swing around here. If you knew Bullion Harry would lead, the market, I'm confident, would swing around. He's value. I think Shawnee, as good as he is, there's a bit of a risk factor with him. Not on his ability. I think he's got it there, but he'll be still learning his craft and he'll probably get out. You couldn't back him at the $1, what's no. he, 180 at the moment? Yep. You, you couldn't back him in that price, surely. No. Not not now. Um, but Bullion Harry at 320, I think you can. So I'm, I'm pretty keen on his chances, Bullion Harry. I think who's the man's big overs at $16 to come through the races and perform so well that he has done through uh, the end of the year. And naturally, Shawnee for raw ability, but raw ability doesn't always put the food on the table. I think it will eventually. I think there'll be banquets galore, but um, not so sure there will be tomorrow night. And then Central Otago, who he's just short of some of those better horses, but he's still running well. So five, seven, one, six, the five with a bit of confidence. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, Bullion Harry, I, I do think it will be leading. Um, it's got that, as you mentioned, that very good gate speed. I, I think... The situation we'll have here is even if Shawnee gets off the inside and makes a play for the front, well, Bullion Harry's going to be in front of of Shawnee at that point. So Gunning, or at least Lee Sutton's got to make a decision. How how hard do I try and hold it, uh, hold both of these horses out? 
I think Chris Lang will just be saying, well, we're in front of you and we're going to stay in front of you. And if that means sitting there and, and posting you three wide, I don't think that'll happen. I think the lead will be there and Bullion Harry gets it. Now, if Sean is good enough to, to park outside Bullion Harry and win here, well, we've got... I think Shawnee is a very, very exciting commodity regardless. But I, I think it becomes even more exciting, like freakishly exciting at a very early um, age and, and, well, five years of age, but in terms of experience, only the four starts. If Shawnee can turn up and do this, uh, well, it, it very, 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 very good horse already. And, of course, named after one of the most popular personalities in racing, uh, Shawnee Gallagher, who um, probably better known for associating with the Kai Valley team and Jim Connolly, but Jim's involved in this horse as well with uh, with Andy Galino. So we hope that Shawnee does turn out to be a star, but that $1.80, I'm with you, Dan, way too short. I'm with Bullion Harry. And to be honest, it, it's the thing that's weirded me out here is I only wanted to take the two of them in early quaddies, but now they're trying to let me in. They're trying to let us all in. Who's the man? Yes, $16 definitely overs. This is a horse who finished fourth at Group 1 level. Uh, in the Vic Bread Super Series final behind Loxley Lover. Yes, had a good run, but uh, that's still outstanding form. Central Otago tries its guts out. Little trier, um, $8.50. I marked it five. I'd mark it even a little bit shorter now with the scratching of Sting of a Wasp. So I'm I'm now almost tempted to have Shawnee and Bullion Harry in one early quaddy, but also include Central Otago, Who's the Man?, That'll probably take us out. Little Yankee is uh, ticking along all right, but probably can't win the race. I ultimately settled on five, one, six, and seven. And Dan Malecki and I both telling you that the $3.20 available about Bullion Harry right now is overs, and we are both with him. Right, let's move on to race four. Final leg of the early quarter and getting to the halfway mark on the program. Uh, what in the world do we make of Whiskey Cavalier? It was just a monstrous win at Beckley Park last start. Uh, he stole a lot of my money when he narrowly got beaten at Cranbourne the start before. We know that Andy Gather's got a huge opinion of Whiskey Cavalier, but we keep having to take relatively short odds. Um, what's going to happen in this affair? Zarvin Banner, your likely leader in holds the top, and then Whiskey Cavalier's got to make the decision, or at least Kate Gather, about whether to sit back and use that speed again or make a mid-race move, I reckon, Dan. Yeah, well... It was a huge win, wasn't it, at, at Geelong? I, I don't know if he was entitled to win that race or not, but he certainly showed that he's a he's a pretty smart horse. A smaller field, it, it's amazing what differences two less horses would make. Just means you don't have to come a length and a half wider on the home turn for a start if indeed he's going to be driven similarly. So, oh, look, he, he's a very good horse, but um, there's a few handy ones that are in it. Um the uh, the five Zarvin Banner. I'm not sure what to make of his first up run. Was it? It, it wasn't. Um, wasn't over the top, but it was sort of a pass mark. It was its first run with um, with the Douglas Camp, and like here's a horse that has a narrow second. And Pete said so only a handful of starts previous. Yeah. We know he's a pretty good horse. You'd think he would have to improve off that. On, but but you're not going to get great value about it. Um, I, there's one horse that. Um, uh, I continue to follow, yep. and it, I sort of end up taking half-breaths following her because she keeps running second and third, um, but I'm in her corner again, so what? She just continues to perform well. My little concern at the moment, it's been a while since her last win, has she forgotten how to do it? Her form suggests maybe. There's been a couple of races there she looked for sure and certain she was going to win, and she didn't. Remember the night Radius got her? Yeah. Uh, during the Inter-Dominion. 
Um, I'm sticking with her. Unlike the horse that I told you earlier, story to tell that we've missed the $8.50 about, uh, I've learnt my lesson with so what in the past. Soon as the price comes up with her, you just have something on, whether you like her or not, and then work out whether you like her or not once she's firm from 12s into 4s. And that is exactly what has happened on this occasion. Um, I'm not too fussed from an inside back row draw. I think as time has gone on, it shows that she needs to be held up and then save for one run at them. She's tough enough to sustain a run, though. She's not as if she just needs daylight for 50 metres. She can sustain a run. She's tough, and that's not a problem. But I liked her each way. Now she's getting into $4, but she's still... I'm going to stick with her. Um, from Whiskey Cavalier, the obvious one, in Zarvan Bannister, eight nine five. Uh, I had no trouble working up the top three chances. Uh, it was a more difficult assignment trying to work out who runs fourth. But I think Morris' bonus deserves to be mentioned here with his current uh, form number one. So he's my fourth pick. Yeah, well, I've got the same four. Um, different order. I've gone nine, five, eight and one. So what will be going in my early quality? Morris' bonus will not. So only nine, five and eight. Uh, I'm with you as the winning hopes. The Morris' bonus, even though he's going really well, might just be slightly outclassed, even with the benefit of the draw. The key, one of the keys for Zarvan Banner, so Zarvan Banner has had, I'll give you this stat, 67 starts, 17 wins. When Zarvan Banner has been in front in its career, 21 starts for 14 wins. So 14 of the 17 wins, basically we're not in front. Zarvan Banner's won three of 46 races and 14 of 21 in front. So this is a leader. This is a horse who who needs to ping and find the front. And uh, once it gets there, he's a, a much better horse. So I think Zarvan Banner is very dangerous. Uh, it'll be so interesting what they do with Whiskey Cavalier because it's going to play a role in whether So What can win, I think. I, re I reckon So What has to follow through and be three poles in transit. Now, if Zarvan Banner can just dictate and Whiskey Cavalier, the big boy, the monster, the Leviathan, sits back and uses his speed again... Well, it's, it, maybe Zarvan Banner pinches a break and makes it impossible for everybody else. If Whiskey Cavalier, because nobody else is going to want the breeze here. Street Kid might go forward early. Well, you can dance, might go forward early. But they're not going to want the breeze. They're going to be hanging back, inviting Whiskey Cavalier to come around. I don't know what uh, Andy and Kate want to do with him at this stage. They've got such a big opinion. They've spoken about his speed. But if he rolls up and says, OK, I'm not going to let you get away with this Zarvan Banner and puts the foot to the floor... The big boy might get to Zarvan Banner, and that, I think, helps so what a hell of a lot. And it also helps Maury's bonus be able to kick through. I, I can't see anything else figuring in the placings. The only other one that can pull out a run from time to time is Major Delico. And conversely, he'd be uh, massively advantaged if Whiskey Cavalier waits and comes with one run from the fairway out, and he can tag onto his back. But I, I keep hearing the words... Of Andy Gaff in my in in my mind, ringing in my ears, in the hammer, the anvil, on the stirrup, in the uh, in the eardrum, telling me the tympanic membrane, telling me that Whiskey Cavalier is as good as probably, you know, outside of maybe Catch a Wave, as good as any horse in terms of ability. He's trained in the last you know paces since Caribbean Blaster, probably better than Tango Tara for ability. And if that's true, he really should be winning races of this nature. So I've got him on top. Whiskey Cavalier ahead of Zarvan Banner, who I think will be vastly improved, as mentioned by those stats, when went out in front, and then so what, and Maury's bonus. But it is quite interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's always been the way in harness racing, but I reckon we've got more horses than ever, uh, Dan, who they are either leaders or pure sit sprinters, that they really have a role that 
they go to another level if they're if they're driven to their absolute strength and they get those opportunities. And like those stats with Zarvin Banner, some stats lie. There's lies, damn lies, and statistics, but those stats don't lie. I don't think that Zarvin Banner is a vastly superior horse when able to lead. Yeah, look, that's a, that's a really good stat. In fact, in my little notes here, I've just firmed him up in my own prices as a result of that. So it's amazing what effect you can have uh, on me, let alone anybody else. Um, also, the conditions of the race too. And look, I, I, I don't mind changing things up a little bit just to, to break up the monotony for us when we're doing form, but it's a race restricted to horses which have not won more than two races with advertised stake money of $15,000 or more, and then blah, 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 blah. But uh, as a result of that, there are certain horses that can come into this race well-placed. And Zarvan Banner, as a, a, a look, ratings don't mean that much to me as far as the national rating, but when you look at him as a 102 and Whiskey Cavalier as a 77, mm. you tend to think there's one horse in particular that looks thrown in. Um, and that's uh, and that's obviously Zarvan Banner. So I'm starting to warm to him with uh, the information that you've been able to supply. Well, I, I think he's going to, even though he's drifted early, I think he'll 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 be backed again late uh, for the very reasons that we've just outlined. So it's in the mix, but we think there's three winning chances. Dan's with So What. I'm with Whiskey Cavalier, and we're squeezing in, sandwiching Zalvin Banner in between them. We're going to go for a break, come back, and then we'll get stuck into the quaddy. The first of the big ones, the Older Baron Park, Mouldy Mile, Majestuoso versus I'm Ready Jet versus Olavici. Back in a moment. Yes, fair to say, I've got a few bad habits. Some okay ones as well, but <clears throat> plenty of bad ones. That's all right, you live with it. Um, four more races to go. Friday, four battle, Dan Malecki and Jay Bonham. Where this is the first of the big ones, Dan. Group one, Elderbaron Park, Mouldy Mile. Um, how good are Andy Gath and Andy Galeno at, at creating these rivalries between the boys and the girls? <laughs> yeah. Um, to, and, an, to, how, to an Valley and Dance Craze and now this. And getting good draws as well. Yeah, oh, well, it's pretty. They've done this, haven't they? Um, I think in both rivalries, both uh, ongoing conflicts, and uh, Majestuoso, I'm ready, Jed. Now I'm thinking Majestuoso. I'm thinking the map's pretty easy to read here. I'm ready, Jed. You don't want to push her out, uh, particularly second up from a fair break uh, from the pole marking draw. So we're looking at this as pretty simply two to lead, one to lead, eight, and then do your best, everybody else. Pro oh, look, probably, yeah. I, I mean, Hopeful Beauty's the one where um, it's been that long since we've seen her uh, draw so well in a mobile as to what she might be capable of doing. Um, but other, well, Always Ready could make it interesting. Elder Baron Zeus could make it interesting. Sleepy gets out all right. Look, in Sundown's Courage, if they all wanted to come off the gate, yeah, correct, it, it yeah. would be a mad charge, wouldn't yeah, it, into yeah, the first yeah. bend. And, and look, it's a group one race, and... I sometimes think, particularly over the short distance, if you've got a horse with gate speed and you're drawn wide and you elect not to use an asset the horse has got, by going back, um, you're conceding the best possible result in the race. Over a mile when a horse is hard fit, they might end up without cover, but they generally don't finish any further back than where they would have if they came from last with one run, because I'll never get into that race. And as a punter or as an owner, I would always prefer a weakening fourth than a fast finishing fourth. Yeah. So with horses drawn out wide there, um, I'd be entitled to, to chance the arm in the early, early stages of the race, which 
you know, it might make it interesting for those horses, you think, just because they're drawn well, are going to get the right runs. They might be advantaged because they can afford to work and the others have to work harder, but um, it's a horse race and they're hard, fit horses. If you weren't prepared to go there to draw barrier six, well, you should have picked another race. Well, I'll tell you what, if we're talking about pure snap speed, um, Always Ready and Sundon's Courage would be the two with a, a really a decent, reasonable chance of crossing Majestuoso because we know he's a good beginner, but he's not blazing. I think he begins better out wide. I, I, I do personally, despite what you've just said, Dan, and I agree with you, uh, I concur 100%, I think that the fear factor will kick in and that everything out wide, that they won't, nothing will come out. I don't think Always Ready, Elder Baron Zeus, Sleepy, or Sundown's Courage, any of them will come out because they're too fearful of one another coming out. But I, I do agree with you that Always Ready and Sundown's Courage in particular, Elder Baron Zeus is a good beginner, but not blazing, probably probably no quicker than Majestuoso, in my opinion. Uh, hopeful Beauty uh, quite often is a very slow beginner, and Sleepy has got that early speed, but once again, I'm not sure to the level that could get it across Majestuoso, but w certainly it would change the complexion of the race enormously because you've got two paradigms here. One, where it's unbelievably predictable, and you've only got two maximum three winning chances, and then you've got a completely different scenario. But in fact, if something did get across Majestuoso, you'd think that it would be handing back up again. So in some ways, it's better for the favourite if something like that did transpire, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And which makes it a trap then for I'm Ready Jet because her record over the short's excellent. Looks like she's got the gate Will she get the box seat. Um, but really, is it the sort of bet that you want to have? Because she could end up in more trouble by being shuffled back than most of the other horses are at three or four times the price. She can obviously win, and and it might be the obvious scenario to think that she might be behind the leader, but um, within a couple of strides, you realise that you're in a bit of trouble here and trying to find something that's in the clear and gets a good run and gets every chance, and I thought that would be hopeful beauty. Yeah. I think she's really stepped it up. I think she's going terrific. Her run, even though um, Majestuoso was better than her last start, she had to work around them, and... I think she did a terrific job and she's taken some big sculpts prize. So I can make a case for her, particularly at the value. Uh, three, two, one. Um, sounds like a countdown, doesn't it? And, uh, and I think Olavici, um, from where he ends up... Now, if he was three pegs, he becomes a chance because he's got a terrific turn of foot. And I'm not sure I've seen too many trotters uh, make a, a home turn or get around a bottom bend as well as he yeah. does. He's like Greyhound, yeah. you know. So if he is three pecks, he, he, he's in a position that he could finish over the top of them as well. I just think those horses drawn out wider, maybe not so much always ready, but, you know, why are they in the race? Surely they were put in that race to hopefully get a good barrier draw and make use of their speed if they had a barrier draw. And all those horses, four, five, six, seven all get off the arm really good. Um, you go back, no hope shouldn't be there. So I think they've got to come out of the gate. Trotting races, particularly over the mile trips, it's all about rhythm and cadence. If you've got the confidence in your horse trotting up well to the gate, you let it go. They're hard fit. None of them are first up and make a race of it. Um, we often see upsets in this race too because the pressure on some of those horses at the start of the race, and we've seen them gallop. 
Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen with the inside horses, but if they all come out hard out wide, uh, that could be prone to uh, uh, occurring. Oh, I think it's an intriguing race to expect the unexpected here, and that's why I've gone for a bit of value. Three, two, one, and eight. I think there's a couple of factors here um, that make things interesting. So one of them is the fact that Hopeful Beauty and Always Ready are obviously Ant and Galeno trained stable mates of I'm Ready Jet. And the concern that I have, um, uh, there's nothing, nothing uh, duplicitous or surreptitious about any of this, but do they want to charge out and make life harder on their friend, their cohabitant, their mate at home, I'm Ready Jet? That's my concern. I don't think they probably do. I think probably they're going into the race going, I'm Ready Jet's the best of our winning hopes, just over Hopeful Beauty. Uh, always ready, I, I don't think, can possibly win the race, but can play a strong tactical role. Um, and do they want to get involved? And the other the other little uh, question mark here is there's a number of horses sort of uh, trying to freshen up after, you know, big Inter-Dominion campaigns. And while this is a Group 1 race, we're at the start now of a series of elite races that make up the Aurora Australia series. And that's that's a little concern as well. When I like the idea of having a lot of good races together, Dan, but I don't like the idea of um, uh, having so many on a weekly basis that you feel like you can pick and choose a little bit too much, if you know what I mean, based on those barrier draws where you think, well, I won't have a crack here because if anything goes wrong and we burn up and we get a bit tired... We won't get that opportunity next week if we do draw well. I, I, it, it, it's, it, that's a concerning factor that you sort of you wait you wait for your opportunity, but that opportunity may never come as well because you're not guaranteed of drawing well. You're not guaranteed of a horse coming through any race and being as good as it was maybe when you go into a race like you're going into tomorrow night. So they're the concerns, but I I think we both know the mindsets of plenty of people out there, and that mindset does prevail. Yep, no doubt. And the old saying I got brought up was never put off till tomorrow what yep. you can do today. you got race fit horse today. Uh, Utilise it as best you can. And you'll often hear, I mean, Jason Lee spoke about it, quoting the, the late Gavin Lang about a barrier draw uh, only being a bad one after the race. So, um, and, and I'm, I'm the same. I look upon it the, the same way. If you've got a hard fit race horse, that's what they're meant to do. And over a mile, you can sustain more pressure. Uh, whether you're sitting outside of them or, or, or making a continued move forward um, uh, to d- be able to do that. And um, I, that's why I'd, I wouldn't be ruling out those horses drawn wide on the front line. Yeah, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to have... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Madge. I, I'm, I fear that even though we'd love to see the early burn um, that we've outlined here or you've outlined, Dan, I think the Majestuoso leads. I'm ready, Jet. He's not the horse you want on your back. Uh, I think that, they, that there's going to be nothing between them. There's going to be a clean exit between them at the finish. But uh, Majestuoso on top of Ready Jed, Olivici to fly home, but three poles in a moderately run, 1,609 metres, runs third. And then Hopeful Beauty, who I agree with you, has definitely gone to another level and, and has beaten Ready Jet a couple of times already in her career, goes in for fourth. Two, one, eight, and three. That's the first of the group ones. Time to get some news from Matty Donald. And when we return, more good races. The Benefit Pace is very, very good race. And then the Garrard's Horse and Hound Bendigo Pacing Cup at group two level here on the Friday form panel on SEN Track. Singing it the wrong way there because Tomo's marked that to be ready. That's on the uh, to be ready. Are you love? 
little bit of Yoda. Um, welcome back to the Friday form panel. Uh, race six is a crack at the better vet pace. Kowalski analysis. Nice and short. We know this has been a magnificent effort from David Lewis. Uh, let's let's uh, let's really deify this because to get Kowalski analysis back. Now I don't know whether he's back to uh, that horse who who uh, placed in a chariots of fire and, and blazed off the gate and looked like one of the next big things in Australian harness racing. But I tell you what, the signs are very very good. But he's facing some strong opposition. We've got one favourite each here in this race, Hooligan Ian and Better Be The Bomb. And, <laughs> and Dad, I reckon the market move for Vintage Cheddar is really crucial to me because he's first up from a break and if anybody's going to go up and really put lay down the law to Kowalski analysis, I reckon it would be him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised Hooligan Ian and Better Be The Bomb uh, I, I think they're dropping in class. I'm surprised that they are as generous uh, in the market uh, as they are. Um, I'm a little surprised Kowalski analysis is that short. I guess the key is, does Kowalski analysis lead lead comfortably and unchallenged? And therefore, um, the query that you made with Vintage Cheddar could be the most crucial aspect to the race. You'd think he'd have to go forward. Otherwise... A, does Kowalski analysis lead here? How comfortable a run does he get? Because my initial thought when I looked at the race was Hooli Nien and Better Be The Bomb are really well placed. Oh, there just can be no doubt about it. I mean, you look at what, uh, and admittedly, I, I've got a very soft spot for this horse, but you look at what Hooli Nien did winning the uh, Sokiel Sprint. I think it was at Geelong on Boxing Day. Um, it, it should be, it would be, well in the market, you'd think, with the right draw in the Bendigo Cup. Um, I know he's not a long, probably a long trip horse, but he's just abs That was a massive, massive win. And better be the bombs been right at this top level for a long time. Vintage Cheddar is clearly a very nice horse. I, the question mark really is how close we think Kowalski analysis is to what he was. Now, if, if he's right there, if he's gone all the way back and David Lewis has got him in that form he was in when he when he went in the Chariots of Fire, then I don't think the others can beat him. But that is a big leap of faith to take because as good as Kowalski analysis has been in those last couple of wins, beating nice horses, there's no definitive empirical evidence that he's at that level, is there? No, I totally agree. What he's got is confidence, which yeah. is yeah. very important. Uh, it has to be there in spades because of the way he's been able to show his customary gate speed, uh, dictate the race, and then sprint home. And his last two races, of which he's won, the fastest quarter uh, clearly was the final quarter, of which he was in front, which means he's been able to dictate, dominate the race, and then sprint home. Yeah. They are positives, don't get me wrong. But there's been no pressure forthcoming uh, in the early part of those races, which has allowed him to dictate. Uh, mind you, one was at 2,600, the stall pacing cup. The other was at 2,200. And again... Who is the horse here that might be capable of sitting up without cover just enough to make it a genuine contest? And look, I, I can probably see two. One of them is better be the bomb because he tracks through from barrier two back line and he might be right on the back of Kowalski, left without cover. Now, it makes him vulnerable. And how much pressure does he want to put on? Is it possible? Is it possible? Is it within the realms of possibility? There we go. That Kowalski analysis led comfortably. Yep. Better be the bomb was up there eyeballing him, putting the pressure on straight into the first turn, 
And Kowalski Analysis, who's a very good sit sprinter, he's so sharp, took a trail behind Better Be the Bomb. Oh. I don't mind. Now, this. that would make it interesting, wouldn't it? Uh, I don't think Kowalski Analysis' chances would deteriorate too much. I couldn't possibly see Better Be the Bomb then taking a trail. Um, he becomes a much better chance, but he'd have to do it really quickly. And it might backfire, but surely you'd have a bit of respect with him. If he's up eyeballing you, going out of the straight the first time, there might be a decision that has to be made. There might be no decision to be made, but the decision might be, uh-uh. Um, otherwise, Vintage Cheddar would take a while before he got up there without cover and they could still build to a crescendo where the final quarter is the quickest quarter. I'm just trying to find a scenario that could either make Kowalski analysis a little vulnerable or to try and work out how easy a run he's going to get in front because I'm not being able to find a horse that can put pressure on him, which means he might even start shorter if that's the case. It might be up to better be the bomb and, <clears throat> and vintage cheddar are the only two that are capable of applying necessary pressure. It mightn't be enough, but necessary pressure. Like what chance would Huli Nien have then? Uh, you know, his chances would improve if that happened. If it didn't happen, even from three pegs, he's probably got no hope. Yeah, well, I'd, uh, he'd be a long way back if that happened. Uh, that's the only concern for Huli Nien. Um, but he's got such an enormous turn of speed. You know what? It can't. I don't think it can work out badly for better be the bomb here. That's the key at eleven dollars because, as you mentioned, slides through on the premises. Outside Kowalski analysis, do you have a crack for the front? Maybe you do. Do you get there? Possibly. Even if you don't, I've got nearly no doubt based on the uh, fluctuations here, five into 390, that Vintage Cheddar is on his bike and around them. Now, for better be the bomb, if you're 1-1 behind Vintage Cheddar laying down any sort of pressure to Kowalski analysis, it's in front and you're sitting 1-1 smoking the pipe, that's a great, that's a wonderful position as well. So, you kind of look at these at these races sometimes and think, well, there's multiple scenarios, but are any of these scenarios uh, good or bad for a particular runner? Now, uh, sadly, as much as I love him, there are a number of bad scenarios for Hall in the end. I don't think there's any for better be the bomb. Uh, the concern, again, is whether Kowalski analysis... Well, you've got to make up your mind, does it only need one cheap section? Would one cheap section be enough for Kowalski analysis to win? Does it need to be pressure on throughout for him to get beaten? We're certainly going to find out, I think, a hell of a lot more tomorrow night about whether he's, you know, back to a very good level or he's back to an absolutely outstanding level because this opposition is too strong for him just to get an absolute peach of a run where nothing happens and he can sprint home another final quarter in 26 and change. So I am with him. Just because I have the respect for what he was and I'm, I'm, I've seen enough signs that he's close enough to that level again that if they give him even one cheap quarter, I think he'll win the race. But definitely for your quaddies, I'd be including 10, 8 and 9. I can't really make any sort of case for anything else. And I think the trifecta is going to be comprised in that top quartet, Dan. Yeah, look, you, look, maybe Jean-Luc, because we end yeah. up... I remember him winning at 100 to 1 one night at, uh, at, at Bendigo and probably going to get a similar run. You could entertain him for running uh, a top four. So, look, I, I'm just trying to offer up um, some uh, possible options to make you want to back something else. Otherwise, this horse is going to start at $1.10, isn't it? But I, I, I'm, I'm not convinced yet, Jase. Um, want to see him, and he might be able to...
we might have lost Dan just for a moment. We'll try and get Dan back. Um, Challenging. I'm tipping oh, better yeah. be the bomb each way. Yeah. I, I, you, am I back again? You are back, yes. Yep. Um, you might have upset. Nine, nine, two, ten, and eight. Uh, I'm going two, eight, ten, and nine, but I'll be. I'll definitely be playing uh, 8, 10 and 9 in some way through the quaddies. We'll get to the Bendigo Pacing Cup now before our uh, final break. Now, rock and roll, this is really intriguing to me. Pole marking draw, is it blessing or curse? Does it even matter? I honestly, I marked him seventy. I, I think he will just find a way to win this race. All due respect to Major Meister who conquered him at Cranman, but they were very different circumstances. Um, there was a great little exchange between Mick Stanley and... And uh, Chris Alford on uh, Twitter during the week about maybe rock and roll do getting cross and I'll have Michael Stanley on with Nathan Jack and Andy Gath uh, for burning questions a little bit later on today. But honestly, I think rock and roll do, he just about broke the uh, track record. I think at Maryborough recently, um, he's a superstar. I think it's easy to forget how good he is. I, I think he's the best that we have with the pole marking draw. So I'm clearly in his corner. What about you, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. Clearly in his corner. I, he needed that run at Cranbourne. I thought he was going to be, had to be vulnerable after coming back from New Zealand. It tightens him up. It was a terrific performance. Swing around in barrier draws. He doesn't have to lead. Uh, you know, he, he might be able to from one. I feel confident he could win from any position here. Wouldn't want to see him get shuffled back on the inside or anything like that. But he's a really good sit sprinter as well, uh, as well as being tough and classy. And he'll be too good. Number one on top. Uh, Max Delight could cross him at the start. May very well cross him at the start. If he did, he'd probably look for cover anyway. Um, and who else would be joining on the spot? Look, it could be Gillaby Sylvester. Um, but it, then again, it'll depend on what Chris Elford wants to do. He might be prepared to wait until Rock and Roll Do comes around. Um, I can't entertain Sicario, not yet. Uh, he's, uh, I know he's changed stables, but um, I can't have him uh, at the moment, even though he's in the market. Could be wrong and find out the hard way, but I prefer to watch and see that aspect. I think Torrid Saint deserves uh, claims. Major Meister from behind might answer a few more questions. It's all about rock and roll do. Um, number one on top, uh, from five, Max Delight, uh, 11, Major Meister, and seven, Gillaby Sylvester. I can, I can say this with all honesty. If Jason Grimson can get Sicario to win this race, then Aidan O'Brien, Joseph O'Brien, uh, Chris Waller, Bart Cummings, Mark Purden, uh, and everybody else um, are in his wake. Um, I, this would be this would be the most extraordinary training performance I reckon I've ever seen, and that's with all due respect to Sicario, who is a nice horse, but he's got three duck eggs next to his name. If he turns up coming coming from a good trainer, um, it, it, it would be. I've seen some mind-boggling things in my time, uh, Dan, but this would this would boggle me. I, I'd be boggled for all time. I think. I think I'd be totally boggled to the point where I couldn't be unboggled again. No, look, to be truthful, the way he was going and the, the class of horse that he is, he's probably looking at closer to retirement. So it's just a throw at the stumps. He's been a terrific horse through his career, made into Dominion finals, many group ones, not going anywhere near well enough. So perhaps a change of scenery could turn it around for him, but it's not as if he's finding a lower class race. He's gone straight for a Bendigo Cup. So uh, group two, who knows? We could all be uh, completely shocked here and see something amazing, but... Uh, I uh, I can't treat him as an eight or nine dollar shot, not at the moment. I'll give you two um, two little questions. I, w I would love to have your answer for. I've got, I'm going one, eleven, nine, and five. But he is two big price runners for a place. Okay, Jillyby Sylvester drawn really awkwardly, but 
going extremely well for a horse at $7 a place. Am I wrong? Oh, well, I've tipped him fourth, so yeah. no, not at all. No, and, you're spot on. And I know he's not quite this class, but if rock and roll do, if, if your map, so you can only give somebody the tools. If your map is rock and roll do, can hold everything at the start, is Rick Riley a place getter at $7 a drum? Yeah, well, I'd say so. Yeah, for sure. But I, I look, I'm, 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 I'm just thinking rock and roll do can win from any position. Yeah. Uh, and, and to be truthful, I'd feel more comfortable if he was outside of them. So I sort of want him to get crossed and then Mick Stanley to get off the pegs and then make his own luck because I think he will. He'll have the respect from, you would imagine, every other horse in that race. And uh, I, I just think that one run back from a little bit of a break would have helped him no end. Um, so I think he's the class runner, clearly. I, I think I think he's the best horse uh, in this part of the world, to be honest. And I, I know it's easy to forget um, what he did in the Victoria Cup and, and the Caduceus Classic in the lead-up to the Victoria Cup. But I think if you cast your mind back, he's the best going around with a pole mark and draw. And I reckon he'll start relatively deep in the Rosella Tomato sauce. I'm going one eleven nine and 5 place. Hope so at a price to Jillaby Sylvester and also Rick Riley. We're going to go for a break, come back, talk about the final event on the card. And after that, get some best bets from Dan Malecki and Jay Bond. Friday form panel here on SEN Track. What would you like to drink, Kowalski? Meat! Get him a glass of meat, will you, Stimpy? Outstanding work from Will on there. A um, bit of Ren and Stimpy. Uh, and uh, the little link to Kowalski analysis. Final event on the card tomorrow night at Bendigo at the very lovely time of 9.35 uh, for those of us. Um, yeah, probably ready to do other things at the end of the night after a great race meeting. Uh, now, this is the... This is guilt edge for me. I, if, if I'm having a little multi uh, tomorrow night, we'll talk about this in a moment, but rock and roll do into Arden's Ace. Arden's Ace, uh, please tell me you're with me here, Dan, because I, the gate speed that we've seen, and you were the one who um, who, who forged this magnificent... Uh, there were a few amazing drives off the second row last week, but one of them was with Matty Craven uh, outside the second row. He snuck a little bit further forward than maybe... He was entitled to with Arden's ace, but you came up with this avant-garde theory that they might have a crack for the front, and they did and almost got there off the second row. So I just can't see any other scenario than Arden's ace blazing to the front here, 16.50 the way he's going, and that'll be the end of the penny section. Tell me that we're in concurrence. Oh, yeah, have to be. I mean, it's just... It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Uh, there's only one little tiny, minuscule, baby reason why... <laughs> It's just he hasn't won for so long, but I, I'm I'm willing to, uh, to forget that. I'm treating him as a, as a different horse. If you just looked at his last three starts, he probably should be a dollar ten. I think he's a dollar. Actually, he just firmed up, so um, he's what a dollar fifty now. And I think yeah. that's simply because he hasn't won since Moses was a boy, or well, that's what it feels like. Um, he's a different horse now, isn't he, Jace? I mean, he's just found the right race. He's got the brilliant gate speed, and this is over the short trip. Yeah. Um, he might think there's still another lap to go if indeed there is some problems with him up there forgetting where the winning post is. He has to win. He just has to win. I, I don't know that I'd be wanting to have a big bet on him at $1.50, but I think I'd be pretty happy having him one out in the quaddy. Uh, well... You say he should, start, he, he, you know, based on recent form, he should start. He will, in my opinion, start this race about a dollar twenty. He might, yeah, well, he, he might even yep. start shorter. Like I, I think people are going to look at it and and they're going to click. Well, 
everything off the front line. He's going to cross them in a heartbeat. If there was one other, like, absolute jet going around here, no disrespect. Spirit of Anzac's a nice horse. Uh, loving a Chevy's going to love the draw. Hector's got a fair bit of ability. Let's rock, let's roll is overs the place at 360 the drum. But none of them are going to be able to come from those positions and run past Arden's ace. Arden's ace was fighting back on the line a couple of starts back against better yeah. Eclipse. Um, he's been beaten 7.7 metres after trying something absolutely outrageous at the start in a Group 1 final against, you know, horses like Captain Belisario and Act Now and all the, and better Eclipse. He, he's, he's absolutely guilt-edged. So um, we better go for this final break and we won't get back. But I'm going to go Arden's Ace, a moral over 8, 1 and 10. We'll come back from a break at the tips from Dan and also our best bets back in a moment. Might have broken. We've broken the system, haven't we? Not for the first time. I, I break things for a living. So we can continue chatting. Uh, who runs second and third behind Arden's Ace? And if we've got him locked in as the winner, Dan? Identical to you here. Um, five, eight, one, and nine. Yeah. I, I really pegs, d- pegs, pegs. Yeah, I reckon. And the only other one I'd be including is Let's Rock, Let's Roll. Just because uh, if, from a class perspective, he's, he's sort of thrown in, isn't he? He's won 14 races from 80 starts. So, But Arden's ace, I, I would be suggesting, I know you said you wouldn't launch in at $1.50, Dan, but I'm, I'm thinking if you if you do want to have a bet on him, I'd be having a bet on him now. You were getting $1.65. That was really friendly. I think $1.50 is friendly, and you won't get it at the back end, and it will be one out in uh, in, in quaddies for me as well with no no backup plan whatsoever. Now, I've already given my little best multi. You'll get $3 for it at the moment. Rock and roll, do it into Arden's Ace. Give us your best bets and a yeah. little bit of value as well, please, Daniel. I, I liked your suggestion of all ups into Arden's Ace. That makes sense now to sort of lock in the $1.50, $1.60 or whatever you can get. Uh, I like race two, number four, each way story to tell. Maybe take it a place into into Arden's ace. Race four, number eight, each way, which is so what? My best bet. I can't believe it's $2, rock and roll do. Uh, and you're right. I think what you just suggested is rock and roll do to win into a win Arden's ace.